Radio. It's the 11th day of April 2020. We're broadcasting to you today from North Central West Virginia. I want to continue on today in the, uh, the book of John, chapter 19. But before we do, let's go to prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would bless this broadcast. That, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you touch minds and hearts, you'd save souls, deliver, and do that which needs to be done. Your word holds no boundaries, and your anointing, Lord, has no limits. And we thank you today that you're more than able. We thank you for what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And you said in your word, if you be lifted up, that all men shall be drawn unto you. This is what we desire. As John the Baptist said, we must decrease, and you must increase. Let it be in Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen and amen. John chapter 19, I'm going to talk today about Jesus being scourged and mocked and crowned with a crown of thorns. The last time we talked about the people cried that the word of God calls him a robber, also explains him as being a what murderer, a what insurrectionist, a troublemaker per se, and Pilate gave the people a choice either allow me to release Jesus or or choose someone of your own of your own choosing and they chose a man named Barabbas and so they denied Christ this was a complete denial of Christ and in verse 1 of chapter 19 remember Pilate uh, was not really wanting to crucify Christ. He was trying to uh, do everything he could that the people would release Christ. Remember his wife had had a dream, and she says, you don't need to be involved with this man. And um, But we know the final uh, outcome was he gave in to the pressure. He was a politician, and he was torn between the people, between him uh, getting getting in trouble with the Caesar at that time and pleasing the people around and about him. So in in verse 1 of chapter 19, the book of John, then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now, Jesus in Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 17, he spoke of this was going to happen to him. He said, and Jesus, going up to where Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, which is the Son of God, shall be betrayed into the chief priests and to the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, 
and to crucify him. On the third day, he shall arise. That's exactly what happened. So Pilate had him scourged. That word scourged there uh, means to flail, to to beat. Um, and they used this, this method which to uh, try to get people to confess their crimes or their sins, so to speak. But we know that the Lamb of God, which was through Jesus Christ, the Bible says there was no guile found in his mouth, that he was the perfect lamb. John the Baptist pointed to him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. As he was coming down to the River Jordan, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And every every good Jew knew that he was pointing towards the Passover lamb, which had to be perfect, one kept in the house for 14 days, and the Bible says without blemish. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus took the full brunt of this beating, and he was innocent. The Bible says that the lamb before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being made dead to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah 53, 5 but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So what happened in Pilate's judgment hall was a terrible thing, but it was to our benefit. The Bible says he was chastised for our peace of mind. He was bruised for our iniquities. He bore our sin. Everything that a man, woman, boy, or girl needs in this life was provided at the cross and the road to the cross. Everything to the finality of him being the first fruits of death. For the word of God says the quickening spirit of God raised him on the third day from the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord rolled the stone away. Not that the stone would have held him. But so they could look inside and see that the body was there no more. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Now, thorns, what thorns have to do with anything? Well, first of all, they were uh, sharp and pointed and the moment that they would penetrate a person's skin, then immediately affection would would start to gather in, and uh, it would disfigure the man. And also thorns, uh, back in the Garden of Eden, when uh, men first sinned against the commandment of God, uh, what did they do? They... they uh, uh, committed high treason against God. They they ate of the tree that God commanded them not to. He told them, after which you shall die. Of course, they didn't die, uh, you know, a physical death at that time, but they died spiritually. And Satan, of course, challenged God and told Eve and said questions. Said, "Half God really said, anyone would say uh, you shall not surely die, which is a pure deception, which is what's used today to beguile so many into saying half God said." If God said there is a resurrection, if God said there is a virgin birth, 
If God said that the blood of Jesus has power, yes. All of these things are yes, because the word of God details these things. This is the foundation of our gospel is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. So in the Garden of Eden, when man first sinned against the commandment of God, God cursed the earth. And God cursed the ground for their sake. And he said, for in sorrow shall you eat it all the days of your life, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto you. So thorns came as a result of sin, and they developed as a result of the curse because of man's sin. So who bore our sins? He who knew no sin became sin. So the first act that was happened was a crown of thorns was placed on the Lord and Savior, on his head, not gently, but forced down to where the thorns punctured his his scalp. And the Bible says that he was disfigured and we could not recognize him. And in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed me and you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Remember that he was perfect. He had nothing to confess when they scourged him. He was the perfect lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they put on him a purple robe, which signifies royalty. Isaiah 53 and 3 says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. And he was royalty. He's the son of the living God. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible said he's soon coming back to rule this world with a rod of iron. There's a process. There's a process that's going on right now, right in front of our eyes, is the earth and the world is in birth pangs. Jesus said in Matthew 24, speaking to the Jews, not to us, but for us, that in the last days that sorrows would increase. And that word sorrows means travail and birth pangs. Travail and birth pangs. And this is what's going on now. The, the world is, is moving towards the coming of the Lord in the tribulation period. The technology is here for the appearance of the Antichrist that we've been warned about. And the Bible teaches that the Antichrist spirit is already here, even operating in religious circles. Okay, Because we know the Antichrist is going to be political, but he's also going to be very, very religious, who sets up his own image in the temple and calls himself God and wants to be worshipped as God, the Bible says. This is what Satan wants is worship. Remember in Isaiah, he said, I will, five times I will ascend above the Most High. I will be like unto the, the, all, the, all, the Almighty God. Of course, of course, that's not going to be accomplished according to what the Word of God says. Verse 3 says, and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Okay, they continued to beat him. And they smote him with their hands. Isaiah 50 and 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and from spitting. This was his passion. This was what was going on. He was going through his passion. All this before he was led to the cross. This this is a simply a scourging, not simply, but it, it 
it was a horrible thing. It was a scourging, and and Pilate thought that the people would have mercy and said, let him go. That's enough, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Their hatred for this man was uh, off the charts. Verse 4, Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Once again, once again, detailing that he believed that um, uh, this man did nothing wrong and he wanted to do everything in his power to release him. So, and and it, it also uh, presents a fruitless attempt one more time that the people will let him go, but their hatred had called them to be perverted. They could not see their own Messiah, which fulfilled what the Lord spoke in Isaiah at the end of Isaiah chapter 6. You can read that sometime. Verse 5. Then then came who? Jesus wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. Remember the Bible says he's despised and rejected of men. A man who's very well acquainted with sorrows and travail and pain. It came forth wearing the crown of thorns. And once again, hoping this would change the minds of the people. And then he said, behold the man. Behold the man, this man. So Pilate hoped against hope that the spectacle of this man severely beaten would change their mind, but instead it just whetted their appetite for further violence upon this man. Verse 6, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. So their mind was made up when they brought him before Pilate. This is what uh, they wanted to happen. Acts chapter Chapter 3, verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, this is, this is Peter preaching, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. He says, take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. So, once again, Pilate trying to absolve himself of blame, trying to wash his hands from what was going on. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. We have a law. What was that law? It was, of course, this is the, the, the body that ruled the temple, ruled, you know, ruled, Rule the civil part, and this is the Jewish Sanhedrin that you know that that uh, cried these things. <clears throat> By our law, he ought to die because he hath made himself the son of God. So what they're going back to is is the book of what Leviticus chapter twenty four verse sixteen. And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall certainly stone him as well as the stranger, as he that is born in the land when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord shall be put to death. Matthew twenty six sixty three. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou shalt tell us whether thou be the Christ or the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, 
Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And the high priest ran his clothes, saying, He have spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of sin. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. Others smote him with the palms of their hands. Once again, the total rejection of the Messiah. Their Messiah, by the way. When Pilate therefore heard that, saying he was more afraid. And that word there, more afraid, means exceedingly. Exceedingly afraid. This was this was very hard on this man. This this man was experiencing high, high end high end anxiety. Chapter nine. I'm sorry, verse nine. And went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus gave him no answer. Once again, Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, and he opened not his mouth. He fulfilled that scripture with the great prophet who Isaiah spoke concerning the Messiah. Verse 10, then said Pilate unto him, speak thou not unto me, knowest that thou, not that I have the power to crucify thee, and have the power to release thee. Verse 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Luke 22, verse 52, Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders, which were come to him, But ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me, but but this is your hour and the power of darkness. So here we see they, they had no power. Pilate had no power. This was this is orchestrated in the mind of God. This was ordained of God. He could have called 10,000 angels to pull the nails that tormented his hands and his feet. He said, he that delivereth me into thee hath the greater sin. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are to be ordained of God. And he says that these ones that delivered have a greater sin. So here we see uh, a degree of sin that God looked on this a little higher as a greater degree of sin than maybe some other sins. Verse 12, and from this work, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So they were they were playing the political card here. So this is Pilate's weakest spot. And any uh, a sign of, of what disloyalty to the emperor would bring serious consequence, maybe even death. So he was in a rock, between a rock and a hard place, and we know they decayed in and gave in to political pressures per se. Verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard this saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabatha, which that word there means uh, place of a stone platform. This is where the final sentence was decreed over Jesus that he's to be crucified. Verse 14, And it was the preparation of the Passover was about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, behold, your king, a final appeal did not work. 
This is what they say, verse 15. And they cried out, away with him, away with him. Said it twice. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, the religious hierarchy, we have no king but Caesar. Away with him, they said. It means to remove, destroy by death. We have no king but Caesar. So they elected Caesar, and they were destroyed by Caesar. They chose Caesar that day, and in 70 A.D., the place was leveled, according to the prophecy that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. Then delivered he him, therefore, unto them to be crucified, and he took Jesus and led him away. Luke 23, 24, and Pilate gave sentence that should be as they required. So he caved. He caved in. And Jesus is on his way to the cross. That's what we're going to talk about, about next time when we begin verse, what, 17. So we see him brought before Pilate. We see him not saying a whole lot except except the power that you've been given has been ordained of God. If God did not ordain this, this would not be. Jesus Christ was not murdered, was not assassinated. He was a, he was a living sacrifice. He was a substitute for me and you. He knew what he had to do. He came and finished that. A lot of people have come out down through the age and said that Christ did not finish his mission. The, mem- the moment he bowed his head on the cross and said it is finished, for many it was a beginning. It was a start. It fulfilled the prophecies in the Old Testament of the coming of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he might die for all mankind. Simeon was brought the babe before him, which was the baby. The babe called Christ. And he said, now I can die or I can pass away because I've held the Messiah in my arms. The Lord, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to this man and said, there's coming a time and a day when you will hold the Messiah. And he held the baby Jesus, who is the Messiah, even today, is the Savior of the world. The Bible says he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And no man comes into the Father except it be through him. He's the mediator between God and man. He's the one that reconciles, takes the hand of man and the hand of God and joins them. Meaning you cannot go in the presence of God. We cannot, we, we have not, could not have fellowship with God. Would not be for the blood of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blood, the blood, the blood. Jesus was crucified at the Passover. And the word of God says, that they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, the slanderer, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I love not their lives to the death. There's still power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb. Claim that blood. Plead that blood today. The blood, the blood of Jesus will never, ever lose his power. So in times like these, the song says you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. And that anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And that solid rock is Christ Jesus today. He's above and beyond all. The Bible says all dominion and all power has been given unto him. Look, Listen, he's coming soon. We're about to the end of this age. When I don't know. I have no idea. Neither is any other man. But the Bible says, Paul said, that we don't have to let these days take us by surprise. Are we watching 
and are we waiting and are we praying and are we expecting the return of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? He's coming very soon. And bottom line, you can either accept him or reject him. Those who are holy shall remain holy. Those who are filthy shall remain filthy. He says, I give you power to remit sin and power to retain sin. In other words, we remit sin by, by doing what? Receiving Christ. He's the only, the only one that can take care of the sin in our life. The only one that can eradicate it from our life. The only way we can be forgiven is through him. But if you reject him, then you retain your sin. If you, if you retain your sin, then you'll pay the price for that sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's no other way the sins can be eradicated from a man, woman, boy, or girl. Jesus Christ is the way. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Repent of your sins. Make a conscious decision to turn, to, to, to turn and go in another direction. Denounce evil in your life. And turn unto him. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. He'll see you through everything and anything. And the Bible says you're sealed when you receive Christ with the Holy Ghost of promise. And your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Word of God says that the Antichrist himself and the Antichrist spirit will have no effect on those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In other words, we know him. The song says, do you know him today? Please don't turn him away. Everybody's crying for peace. Peace, but the Bible says there's sudden destruction. But the only peace there is is in the peace of Almighty God through his Son, who? Jesus Christ. Peace and safety, they're crying. Security. We need an answer for all the confusion and all the chaos. The answer today for my life and your life is Jesus Christ. He says, if I'm lifted up, Draw all men unto me. Praise God in the song of Solomon and said, Draw me, Lord, and I'll come running after you. Let the Spirit of God deal with you and mind the Spirit of God. Let him draw you. He loves you. He cares about you. The Bible says, I would that none would perish, but that each and every one would come unto what everlasting life. Seek him while he may be found. We are in the days of travail. We are in the days of sorrow. We are in the days of birth pangs. We're experiencing times we've never, a lot of us have never ever seen these kind of things in our lives. Everybody says, I want things to get back to normal. I don't see normal. There might be a new what normal, but I believe it should awaken us for our need to draw closer to him. Our need to evangelize the world and tell others that Jesus Christ loves them and invites them to receive Christ. Give them the gospel. Give them this book I'm holding in my hand. Preach. Be a herald of the gospel, the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set people free. Pilate said, what is truth? He had no idea standing five feet from him. But the truth today is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul said, I'm ashamed of the gospel with the good news of Christ, with the power of God unto salvation. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, <clears throat> for your presence, for your power. We thank you today that your word won't come back void. We'll do that which you <clears throat> sent it to do. And we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would save souls today, that you would comfort, that you would heal minds and hearts and heal bodies, that you'd reconcile that you'd break the brokenness, Father, that you'd do mending today by your spirit and by your power. 
We thank you, Lord. You said in your word, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, as weak as we get and as we fail, Lord, the times and times where we don't feel worthy, but I thank you today that through your blood you made us worthy, that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. And you said you'd be with us even to the end of the age. And we ask you today, Lord, that your spirit would go out, Lord, and the multitudes that stand in the valley of decision that you draw them today and they'd receive you, that you heal their bodies, touch their minds, comfort them, wherever they're broken, wherever they're hurting today. Lord, you said in your word, you're touched with our infirmities. Lord, you know exactly what every person's going through today. You've seen every tear that they've shed. You see the brokenness in their lives, and I ask you to deliver them and mend them and help them. And may you get all the glory and you get all the praise, Father, because no man can do this. It's only through you. You said, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. Saith the Lord, and we thank you for these things today. In Jesus' holy and righteous name, we pray. Amen and amen. You can catch these broadcasts if you want to in Truth in the Word and also be in our talk radio. We try to we try to post these broadcasts to to these particular pages. And uh, I pray that you'll have a a happy Easter, happy what Resurrection Day, and know that God's still in charge, and nothing takes God by surprise. Let's be like the Psalmist David, who said, "As a deer, our heart panteth after water, so does my soul pant after you." Have faith in God, for there's nothing impossible with Him. God bless until next time. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 